part of my research when I was uh, in graduate school for biology was looking and comparing like penises of different rodents. I can go through a list of species of why their penises do certain things during copulation. So this is episode number 15, huh? It is episode number 15. And wow. Mr. Mower Mike, um, we do have a special guest here today. My good friend, uh, I've known this stellar gentleman for almost 20 years. Went to high school together, played baseball together. It's more than 20. Almost 20? More than 20. Like 25, right? Yeah. 25 years. Um, He is famous for many things. Not only does he hold multiple athletic records at a unnamed college, because, you know, he doesn't want to give away his identity. It's a big one. It is. I mean, it's... It's no. Uh, it's like know, a grade A college. What do you guys yeah, call it? It's sports? not. A, it's not an online school. That's for sure. It's part of the Big Twelve, right? <laughs> Ten, Big Twelve, one of it's them. It's big something. Big eight. You know, Big East, Big Eight, Big Twin, <laughs> something like that. Um, but what he is most famous for is when he was pitching. We were in high school once, and um, we were playing in a game, and he was pitching, and I was the catcher. No gay intended, but. Um, he Only was, you intended that game. Yeah, well, nobody he, else was there. He's the pitcher. I was the catcher. Uh, he was throwing the ball so hard, he actually broke my brand new catcher's mitt. It was actually new? I thought it was old. No, it was brand new. Like, I had just bought it. And um, I think you got clocked that night at like 94 or something along those lines. But it was a exciting time. It was a pleasure to play ball with you, sir. Be part of the battery. This is my good friend. Mr. Clay. Clay the geologist now. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> now, Bob, can you think of a better name for a geologist than Clay? Uh, actually, I cannot. Did you know that Clay, uh, the not Clay the person, but Clay the soil type, actually has the, the finest particles out of all the types of soil? Clay, is that true? That's correct. Thank you. Does Clay count as a rock? No. No, it's a soil type. Okay. What if clay gets bunched together real tight? Does it turn into a rock? Over time, it could be a sedimentary rock, <laughs> like a limestone. Right, but it would it it would require yeah. clay. So since clay has the smallest particulate diameter, it is also able to absorb the most water. Is that true, clay? That's true. Now that doesn't make any sense. Why would it absorb more water if it's tighter packed? Well, let's ask Clay, the geologist. Yeah, clay. Or is Bob full of it? No, he's not full of it. No, it's just the way the clay particles are laid out. They're in sheets and they can absorb water, whereas sand cannot really abs- <laughs> <laughs> absorb anything. So sand. So is that why they make like foundations out of clay? Or at least uh, you don't really house? want foundations out of clay. So usually it'll expand and huh. jack up your foundation. So yeah. So the larger the particulate diameter of soil types. Actually, I think the less water it is able to absorb, which is why sand, which is on the beach, uh, isn't able to hold water. It just like the water just goes right through it. Am I right? That's correct. Yes. So if the beach was made of clay, then the the oceans would go down, right? Because it'd be soaking up all the water. You'd have some issues. (laughs) Clay's looking at me like I'm a complete moron. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and uh, listening to us nerd out about uh, soil types. Well, Bob, let's. Uh, I've got to rewind. I've got a correction to make. Okay. Um, you know, a few weeks ago when we had Mr. Charlie on the podcast. Yes, And Charlie. I was talking about 
uh, how when you donate blood, it actually lowers your cholesterol. Well, this morning I went and donated blood. Because okay. I always told myself, hey, this lowers my cholesterol. Good yeah. to go. It's like changing your oil is what you say. Yeah, like changing your oil. So I find a Carter blood care bus at the marina, which was kind of odd. So I rolled up in there. And, of course, there's nobody in there, just uh, a few Latino women, old, young. I mean, they're, they're handling the needles. Mm-hmm. And so we're joking around. I get along pretty good with Latino women, as you know. I mean, who doesn't? Yes. I mean, especially the older ones. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I said, hey, ladies, you know, we had a discussion the other week. Does donating blood lower your cholesterol? Because I think it does. It's like changing the oil. And they looked at me, and there's a black chick there, too. And they, like, rolled their eyes at the same time, like I'm a complete moron. And I was like, I guess that look. They didn't even answer. I was like, I guess it doesn't. They're like, no, hon, it doesn't, because your body just makes more. And I was like, well, isn't it beneficial to donate blood in some way. They're like, yeah, it is like changing your oil because it gets toxins out of you and whatnot, but but it's not going to change the chemistry makeup of your blood. So I have to eat crow on that one. I was incorrect. Well, your body makes its own cholesterol in addition to the cholesterol that you eat. So a lot of your cholesterol levels is genetically influenced. Right, that's that's. I don't even know how to discuss that. I'm just saying I'm wrong. Okay, well, I know. Yeah. I've often had that same theory, but one thing I have noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when I donate blood, I sleep excellent afterward. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, no, I sleep great. I wouldn't know. I've never donated blood. Well, you should. It saves lives. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should, yeah, because I'm type O, which is the universal donor. Um, I'm not type O negative. I'm pretty sure I'm O positive. I'm not sure if uh, O positive is good. I'm I'm O yeah. positive. I think. You know what's crazy is both um, you, Bridget, and I are all O positive. Like, what is the likelihood of having three people all together that are all type O? It's actually very high. You're O. Yes. I don't oh, know. <laughs> we are all type O blood type here. Well, Bob, fifty-five percent of the uh, population is type O. Are really? Yeah. I did not know that. And so that's why they want type O people, because type O can actually donate blood to other types that aren't just O's. That's just for me reading the charts and the blood care. 55% of the population is type O? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Whatever. Anyhow, uh, so Clay, let's talk about uh, what... Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is it that you do? You say you're a geologist, but can you get a little bit more specific than that? I'm an environmental consultant. A man, a few words. Environment or consultant. Con- what do you cons- what do you what do you give consulting about? So basically, so you know, in my line of work, basically, we do environmental assessments of commercial properties, seeing if they're you know potentially environmentally impacted from chemicals of old you know oil spills, chemical spills, and then if they are impacted, we figure out how do we address it, how can we redevelop the property, etc. You know, I actually work on a uh, Superfund site. I'm sure you're familiar mm-hmm. with that because uh, in the 40s, I work where they used to build weapons. And they still build weapons. I mean, I'm not getting too specific, but, you know, stuff that kills people. Weapons of mass destruction. Oh, yeah. And they used to, uh, the big deal was the cooling of the cutting machine used to run some sort of glycol through it. And they'd dump it right there in the dirt and just let it drain into the lake for 
know, years and years and years, and it got so contaminated now they can't they can't move any of the dirt off site. So they just get when they dig, they just build big piles of dirt out next to the parking lot. So the whole place is like contaminated, and we all work there, and they just keep piling up this contaminated dirt right next to the the site. You know, the more I talk about it, the more, and you can't even eat any fish out of the lake either because they're all contaminated. This is not the same lake that we go fishing in, is it? No, but it's connected to it. But <laughs> this lake is down <laughs> downstream from where we go fishing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah. ho- hopefully the, it has not flowed upstream. Uh, there's a dam there. No, I don't think it's ever flown upstream. What if like a bird flew in that lake that was contaminated and then came over and landed in the lake that we fish in? You're the biologist, Bob. Why are you yeah, asking me but this? Clay is the environmental scientist. He should chime in on this. Clay, do you have anything you would like to say? Am I in danger, Clay, based on what you heard? From one bird? No, I mean from the... Uh, like, I'm sitting on top of this pile of dirt every day, working for 12 hours a day, and they're saying it's contaminated. Oh, they built a building over it? Yeah. Well, it's a big factory. Is that illegal? Is it legal? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the factory's built during World War II. Ah, uh, okay. So you can't just, like, move it. Prior to the illegal dumping activity. Yeah, yes. Okay. They didn't call it illegal until, like, the Clinton years, I think. Clinton. <laughs> Thanks, <Yeah>. Democrats. <laughs> yeah. So, no, you don't have... From what little I know about what you're saying, no, you don't have anything to worry about. Typically, when there's problems, it's based on can you drink it? Can you come in physical contact with it? And if they got a concrete barrier over it, the only... Uh, potential health concern there would be vapors. So if depending on what chemical it is, is it in high enough concentration to come through the concrete, pores in the concrete, cracks in the concrete, and cause a air issue? I'm probably okay there, but the place is full of asbestos. So that, that that'd probably That's be another more. issue. Not, now that I'm working from home, I'm actually much healthier now. I feel better. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, you look good. You look like you've gained some weight. Dude, I'm up to 220. Maybe I, maybe that was, that was the problem all along, was all the poisons that you've been getting at work uh just kind of like you know breaking your body down and turning you into this like what are the hans and franz used to say like <laughs> little girly man i think it was more all the cheeseburgers i was eating at work <laughs> i mean because you were like 180 pounds right yeah yeah pretty, i was i was 180 190 i mean don't get me wrong like you know still pretty you know pretty fit ish lean you know not a whole lot of fat on your body but yeah i mean you gained like yeah, filled out quite a bit gained like 30 pounds that's good i mean you're a tall guy what are you like six four yeah, i'm six two ish six two and we'll just round it up six three and you. uh you know you should be over 200 pounds if you're six three you think yes they say i'm a beast based on my weight they say you're a beast yeah based on uh, your uh, weight obese oh obese obese well you can tell them the F right off, man. That's because mm-hmm. you're definitely you don't have any body fat on you. No, no that's just the government. Hmm. Uh, I don't know, Clay. What do you think? You're the scientist here about being obese. Yeah, <laughs> I'm considered obese. I mean, I'm I'm morbidly obese. obese. Yeah. You're morbidly obese. I'm considered yeah. morbidly obese. Maybe you should lay off some of that pepper-nickel bread we've been eating. I don't know. It was delicious. <laughs> it was freaking good. You know, But I want to see whoever's calling me obese strap on a 70-pound weighted vest and go run three miles. Like I, yeah, I want to get I get done with that, and I'm like, call me obese now, bitch. <laughs> so Clay, I got a question for you. Okay. All right, I'm big into like uh, water drainage and water tables. Now I always had this theory about how the water gets into the water table and rises 
You know, because they show, I always remember I was watching a newscast where they show, oh, the water table's rising. They show these big holes, like down around Austin, where all the water's like rushing into the ground. And karst, yeah. Yeah, and they're saying like that's how fills, that's what fills the water table. Is that true? Where it's like a mass rushing of water, or is it more of a soakage down through the soil? Or are we just sucking the water tables dry and there's no refillage? All the above. So, oh my gosh. yeah, I mean, it depends on the geology. I mean, you, what you're talking about is karst, which just big holes in the limestone. And yeah, it's water travels super quick through those formations. And then in sandy soils, it recharges a little bit more uniformly. And then in other areas, it doesn't. There's shallow bedrock where there's just no groundwater at the surface anyway. So, what's your view of the current? Uh, we're in the Dallas Fort Worth area of our water table. Is it? I imagine it's going down. Uh, I haven't researched it, but most people don't really use well water in the Dallas Fort Worth area. There's some of that around Tarrant County. We you know, that kind of the right. Woodbine Formation. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all, but uh, there's some wells out in that area. But like kind of in Dallas County, there's not a lot of. I think it's more of a concern. Used out west like parker county because i talked to their water district and they're like oh it's a major issue out there because they're poking like 300 straws a year into that thing just sucking her dry so out that way yeah you're probably yeah i can see that happening yeah where there's less urban areas that are more people on well water yeah all right and i always heard that's an issue out in lubbock too i mean mm-hmm. like i think it used to be they could drill down i don't know let's make it up like 50 foot now they gotta go to like 400 foot mm-hmm. and that's just amazing I think Lubbock in West Texas is just going to blow off the map when they run out of water. Well, I think like you know, about ten years ago, I was I was chatting up like a a guy who was really into um, like sustainable building and sustainable uh, agriculture and things of that nature, and he said that you know West Texas is pretty much going to be out of water. The water table is going to be so low they're not going to be able to use it in you know at that time. He said twenty five years. So fast forward, they've got fifteen years worth of water left that they can use. I believe it, and they're just building, building, building. Yeah, and you know it's not like they're cutting back on on irrigating cotton or anything. Yeah, my wife's family actually uh, they ran a irrigation business where they out in West Texas where they would build the motors and put in the motors for mm-hmm. running those uh, those pumps. And these were like twelve to sixteen inch pumps running like four fifty fours, like huge gas motors, and just ripping all day long, full tilt, running off propane. When it's a hundred and ten degrees outside, running those sprinklers. Yeah, and they're all over the place out there. I never understood that. Like, why would they run the sprinklers, run the irrigation system when it's 110 degrees outside? Like, most of that water is evaporating before it even gets into the ground. Why do they care? They got to grow the cotton. I'm sure some of it gets in the ground. I'm sure some of it, but like, I'm thinking the majority of it's probably getting probably evaporating before it hits. Yeah, but when you go out there, you see those little well houses. They've got giant motors in them. I bet. I bet. Pumping, pumping, pumping. Let's switch gears. All right, let's do it. Uh, By the way. All of our listeners, we're, we're at Dr. Bob's Ranch once again. Clay has blessed us with his presence, and he brought out a special rifle that we're going to go hunting with tomorrow. And you said it was a custom-made rifle. Now, all I can tell you about that thing is it is loud as hell. It's because it's got a muzzle brake on it. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a damn sniper rifle from like a Tom Berenger movie. What type of rifle is this thing? It is a custom bolt-action rifle that's uh, chambered in 6.5 PRC. But, yeah, it's uh, this is definitely made for long-range shooting. Now, what kind of what caliber is that? 6.5 millimeter. 
6.5 millimeter. So it's a 6.5 is the width of the bullet, not of the brass. Correct. Okay. So it's just under 30 caliber. Or it's just under 30 out 6. 30 out 6, 7.62. So this is 6.5? Okay. Yes. So a little bit smaller than a 30 out 6. What was crazy is the bullet's kind of skinny, but then it's got a cartridge like the width of a dime underneath it. Yeah, it looks like it's like a a 30 out 6 cartridge with a... A short thirty out six cartridge. It's a basically a short magnum. Yeah. What's the range on that thing? Well over a thousand yards. <laughs> what have you shot with it, and what range? Nothing that far. I've shot one whitetail with it so far. Was it that one you got at your brother's place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How how big was that buck? It weighed over two hundred pounds. How many points? Twenty. No, eighteen. <laughs> eighteen point yeah. buck. That's a that's a bullwinkle there. That's a that's a and that's a South Texas whitetail. Mm-hmm. See, I thought like whitetails in South Texas like they get small. The body gets smaller, right? Mm, a lot of people think that, but they get pretty pretty big. I mean, he, they're not they're not you know Midwest bucks. But yeah, they'll be. But he was two hundred pounds, like field dressed or like no no, if not field dressed, he's probably two twenty live weight. It's pretty big. Like if I got a two hundred twenty pound buck out here, I'd be pretty pretty excited. So do you think you guys got any uh, bucks left out here? After Big ones? after my brother came out and killed them all with his kids? Did his kids <laughs> kill the little ones? God. <laughs> I knew he would. God, man. <laughs> they sent me pictures a couple of weeks ago. They came out here with... Uh, all the ones we saw and passed on, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they came out and four of them went hunting and they took four bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and... For like two decent sized ones and then two like little ones that I was just like, why did you do that? But, you know, it doesn't matter how much I explained to him. Like, look, man, you got to teach your kids like to be selective. You can't just like, I get it. You know, y'all are sociopaths and they just want to kill something. But you got to start teaching them some kind of like some discipline as far as like what to shoot and what not to shoot. And if you see like a small buck with like a four point rack, you need to leave it alone because it's probably a yearling. Were they even legal bucks? Uh, I cannot. I'm not going to make that statement on on the, on the air because I don't want anyone to be like, "Oh, they're shooting their legal bucks." But yeah, like his nine year old shot one. I'm like, "Why did you let him shoot that?" And he's like, "Listen, man, you don't understand. When your kids are out there and they're wanting to shoot," and I'm like, "What about does? They don't. They don't like shooting does." I that's right. It's one thing I told him. It's like shoot some does. We got so many does out here. Nope, we're gonna pass on the does. It's fine. <laughs> We're going to pass on the does. We're going to shoot these yearling bucks. It's fine. They want the antlers. I'm like, oh, my God. You're killing me, man. You're killing me. So If that was anybody but your brother. They would probably never be allowed back out here. Uh, yeah. But being your brother. I get it. Yeah. Like Chris. One time Chris came out here and he shot like two spikes within like an hour of each other. I'm like, what are you doing? Stop that. <laughs> and like I didn't let him come back out here for like three years. Well, that buck I saw out here, I mean, it was pretty good size, but he wasn't. It was legal. Yeah. But he wasn't like... He wasn't huge, but no. he was... I mean, you could have taken him if you really wanted to, but... Yeah, I don't be that guy. I mean, those are those are young bucks that are still, you know, kind of hanging around mom. And like, mom hasn't, like, chased him off yet. And um, then you need to leave them alone. They're small. Like, their antlers are small. Like, their antlers are real thin and real narrow. So, like, you know they're not very old. Right. Just leave them alone. Leave them alone. Be patient. Like, but, nope. We gotta, gotta make the kids happy. It's okay. Didn't he used to like do things like you would go do surveys to see if they're like endangered species on places where they were building? 
Uh, not me, no. But my my company's done stuff like. Did y'all ever find anything like interesting? Any kind of like cool species that may have like popped up, like an extinct bird or something that well, we found that wasn't really extinct after all. No. Sounds like maybe you have. <laughs> no. No, nothing exciting like that. No. Oh man, there there was a ranch I was on. I won't say what it was, but there was a his, a big West Texas ranch in the history of it. There was supposed to be some buried. Spanish gold out there from the conquistadors. Are you talking about the four six ranch? I don't remember the name of it. No, but that's, that it? was no. Yeah. But I did. I did make sure I kept an eye out when I was walking around to see if I found anything weird, but never did. That's too bad. Maybe you didn't look hard enough. So how do you know what type of geology there is underneath the dirt? You guys got uh, radar detectors and stuff, or no uh, soil cores? Oh, pushing drilling, yeah. So do you take like little drills out there? And yeah, they're not little; they're big. They're not like oil field drillers, but, but yeah, we core through the soil through the rocks and log it. So do you? Do you guys? So do you operate the drill itself? No, no, we hire drillers to do it. I just sit there and you have them bring me, and... bring me dirt and soil cores, and then I look at it and tell you what it is that sounds really exciting clay you're i mean i don't know if there's any young people that are thinking about going into this field listening to this but god dang man you are selling this career path uh like how did you get into this because you know you went to college for baseball i mean were you thinking that you were going to be the next steve foster and get drafted out of out of college at five six as a pitcher or uh i mean because don't get me wrong i think we had high hopes for you i mean you could throw the rock Thanks, Bob. No problem. I'm here. I'm just trying to lift you up. <laughs> trying to find a topic that you're going to start talking about. What was the question again? <laughs> how did you get into How did you get into this environmental science? Because oh. your degree is in environmental science, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, how did how did you arrive to that? Uh, I think I was initially majoring in like wildlife management, and I decided I didn't want to do that. So, I kind of want to stay in the same realm of major so i don't know i just ended up on environmental consulting or environmental science man a few words you know bob speaking of core samples i was watching a tv show where they're in the antarctic or wherever north pole south pole whatever it is but they're drilling down through the ice and they're finding like lakes like 100 feet below the ice with actual like organisms in there and like fresh water that like a whole underground lake with all these little critters down there. They are prehistoric and nobody even knew about them. I believe it. It's like a whole other world down there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a an isolated ecosystem. The same thing like when you go into like caves that have uh, isolated pockets of water, you'll find like unique species down there. You know, they have those uh, like the Texas cave salamander that has no eyes. Uh, yeah, look that one up. Texas cave salamander. It's like completely white. It's translucent, has no eyes, and you can only find it in like one cave somewhere in Texas. I think it's like West Texas or something like that. How cool is that? Huh? What if all this ice melts and all these little critters get out and they like they like to eat lettuce or something and they screw up all over? Well, you know what's probably going to happen is they're probably all going to be reservoirs for COVID. COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought COVID if, was twenty twenty. If we don't up? all get vaccinated, all these prehistoric creatures that are going to come out of these. You know, underground Arctic, subarctic lakes are going to be new reservoirs for COVID, and they're going to mutate and create a new strain. You know, I've got a news blast for our listeners about COVID. 
I have confirmed that if you are a male and COVID-free, they are giving you a premium on your sperm donations. Really? COVID-free males are getting like triple what the COVID <laughs> males are getting on the sperm. So if you do sperm donations, definitely do not get the shot. Do you do sperm donation? No. My sperm, I have poor morphology, so it doesn't work out for me. Oh, like they swim all to the right? Yeah, I got multiple heads. They swim backwards. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I know more about my sperm than... You'd be very I really want to see this, but like I don't want to like go through the process of like collecting a sample so I can see it through a microscope. No, you will not be collecting a sample. <laughs> I can give you a sample if you want. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's why we don't have any kids. I always thought it was the wife. Really? So like vaccine, f- COVID vaccine free? They're giving you a premium for it? See, like that's... Why is that? Because there are people who don't, they're, you know, come on, man. They don't want vaccine anywhere. Dude, if you're going to have a baby, you sure don't want some guy who's got some unknown vaccine in him. You know, it could mess up your sperm. This is true. Like, you know, there have been no long-term studies on the uh, the effects, reproductive effects of the COVID vaccine. We have no idea. And, you know, we probably won't until, you know, 18 years from now when a bunch of kids are in high school and... You know, they can't do basic math. Oh, wait, that's currently <laughs> what's going on. Bob, do you know how much a, a, a donation of sperm costs? If I were to go buy one or if I were to go give one? If you're going to buy one. Well, I thought it depends on, like, the quality of the sperm. Like, someone like me, if I donate, since I have, like, a high education and definitely, like, you know, desirable genetics, I feel like my sperm would cost more. Uh, it is based on the quality of the sperm, and you, you definitely know the count. But also, you look at yeah, genetics, background, color, race, height, weight, everything. Mm-hmm. And also, that you look at how many successful babies they've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a a good quality sperm donation costs about six to eight hundred dollars. What? How much do I get for donating? Probably about two hundred. So let me get this straight. I can walk into a clinic one hundred percent legally, and do my thing and walk out with 200 bucks. Not right off. Cause you got to build a reputation of, of having successful donations that oh. end up in babies. Oh, so, so I need to start 200. So how, many, how many people do you have to father or whatever to have a reputation? Is a, sperm is, is a, uh, a good start. Damn. So I got to build a rapport. 40 is what you're saying. Plus. Well, yeah, it's all, it's all numbers, man. It's all analytics. Hmm. There's no shame in that game. I should have started a long time ago. <laughs> you know, you might be a little old for what they want. Ah, you know, but, but if you but, get a good but, quality. But I mean, if I'm virile, like I, I'd hate to go and they'll just be like, look, I'm sorry, Mr. Bob, but uh, you're shooting blanks. I'd be like, ah, I knew it this whole time. <laughs> I've been shooting blanks. You know, what's funny is I had my buddy come up to me the other day and he's like, hey, Mike, yeah, we're going to start having kids like, this month. I was like, oh, you're, he thought he'd be pregnant by like in a month. I was like, well, I hope it works out for you. He's like, yeah, unless there's something wrong with her. And I was like, well, you know, like half the times you can't have kids is because of the male, not the female. And he was just like, you're well, lying. I was like, but you could yeah. turn that around and be like, you know, half the time that you can't have kids is because of her. True. But a lot of guys think it's 100% because of her. And we're just shooting, well, I mean, has shooting she, goals the whole time. Has she, yeah. I mean, but there's a lot of factors. You know, has she been on birth control for the last 20 years? You know, that's a huge factor because, like, you know, you just don't get off of birth control. Then all of a sudden, like, oh, guess what? I'm fertile. You know, I'm pregnant. And, but, you know, it, that's not how it works. Like, there's after effects and all kinds of things. And timing is important. Like, you know, you can't just be like, 
Let's do this. Oh, guess what? I'm pregnant. No, like there's got to be like it has to happen. There's like a three, three day window where like there's actual the possibility of, of fertilization between an egg and the sperm. Yeah, but then some guys. I mean, it's and then it just happens. I mean, it just works different for different folks, different strokes for you know. I, I understand. I have a buddy of mine, uh, Adam. He actually lives where you in the same town you do. He's got like six kids and. I think he had like two after he got a vasectomy. He's like, I don't know what's going on, man. Like, like I just look at my wife. Like I blow in her general direction, and she gets pregnant. Blow what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, a guy like that, if he wasn't vaccinated, that would be the perfect donor. There, he could just quit his job and just, you know, just do a couple a day, I, just like a horse. Well, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like you know. Get paid for doing what I'm already doing. Oh, yeah. But now, if you're a female, that there you can make some good money. Yeah. If you got, if you want good, to carry somebody else's baby or donate eggs, donating eggs is a big deal. You can get like a couple of pretty decent amount of coin for donating eggs if you're female. The only problem is like the process of donating is like extremely painful. Right. And there's a lot of drugs that go involved and they're to make that flower into, you know, 20 eggs instead of two. I'm starting to feel a little awkward just how much I know about this topic. I don't feel like it's awkward at all. No? Okay. What what would you like to know about it? I know a little bit of everything about this. I don't know if I really... Clay, I don't know if I'd really like to know anything about it. I don't have any, like... I mean, I know how the process works. You know, you pump them full of fertility pills so that basically, you know, the the ovaries process multiple eggs at a time so you have multiple eggs that are actually fertile and... Uh, at one time, and then you process those. Those are the ones that get uh, those are the ones that get extracted during the egg donation. Do you, you want to know the crazy fact is a woman only has so many eggs over her lifetime. Yeah, so, so when they speed that up. It just it could speed up menopause eventually. You know. Yeah, yeah. They're born with all the eggs that they will ever have. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Which huh. crazy is so like they're born like okay. I'm about to get. I'm about to nerd out. You ready, Clay? I'm ready. All right. So here we go. So when females are born, so all of their eggs are actually stopped at a phase called, you know, prophase, I'm sorry, yeah, metaphase one of meiosis. So like sex cells go through a different uh, cell, cell division process than normal body cells. So when they reach puberty, they actually, all of those eggs will go through the second division. So like one of those, they're called primaeocytes, will turn into four cells, eggs that are like all genetically different. But what will happen is, is the female body uh, will actually expel three of them. So it's it's a one to one ratio, and what that does is it kind of uh, it increases like the genetic diversity between the different eggs. So like that's why you don't get identical twins from two separate eggs. Wow. So I'm picturing inside of a woman, kind of like salmon eggs, like a big string of salmon row. Uh huh. They're probably a lot. Are they that size? All these little eggs? Uh, no, no, they're a single cell. Oh, yeah. So the really? sa- yeah salmon it's not egg really an egg. No, it's an oocyte. It's just kind of like termed an egg because we're people, and if we were to say, "Oh, it looks like your oocytes are doing really well, and you're very fertile oocytes," they'd be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" But like, so like in a salmon egg, there's you know there's a yolk <laughs> sac in there, and then like uh, amniotic fluid that's going to help the embryo grow etc so that's why human eggs 
they're just a single cell. They don't need all of that membrane. They don't need the yolk sac. But that single cell has all the DNA in it? Right. It's got all of the mother's DNA. So one one copy of each chromosome. So like you have two copies because you have one from your dad, one from your mom for all you know, all of your chromosomes. Each egg just has one set of chromosomes. Wow. So a single copy. And then each sperm has one set. And when mom and dad love each other and daddy waters mommy's garden, his chromosomes pair up with her chromosomes to give that embryo two copies of each chromosome. That's when the sperm penetrates the egg, right? Yes. Penetrates hard Only and deep. Only the strong. Only the strong Only survive. The yeah. So that's you're pretty sw- wild watching that. Yeah, if you're swimming backwards, you're not gonna reach the you're not gonna reach the, the egg. So do all mammals have the same type of process there? Yes. Wow. Like when you say process, do you mean like the egg division? The egg division, then the sperm penetration. Yes. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder how it got that way. Oh, well, you know, there's there's debate. We could we could probably debate that. That's a whole different podcast. Though. Yeah, that's a you know because there's the there's the ethical dilemma of you know contrasting evolutionary theory with creationist theory and then all these other things. So, but did you know that like sperm cells are not created equal? Like some sperm cells are shaped differently than others by between the animals. Yeah. So like a human sperm is shaped completely different than like a, a mouse sperm. Do you think like a bear sperm is larger than a mouse sperm size wise? I don't know. You would think because it's a bear it's a big bear. Should have big sperm, right? But uh, I doubt it. I think they would be very similar in size. They would just be different in shape. Would the bear sperm have a little fur on it? Like a little Probably not. Probably not. Kind <laughs> of bite its way into the egg. Yeah. Probably not. No. no. But there has been lots of research. <laughs> on we my... got to, see that we got a giggle out of clay. <laughs> yeah, finally, finally <laughs> Forty-five minutes later, we're talking about sperm. <laughs> we talk about penises next. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, funny story okay so like all penises are not created equal either so like different species of of mammals are going to have different shaped penises so like obviously the human penis has a very somewhat specific shape for you know across the board most people are going to have the same shape penis like that's because of suction right uh there's debate on that but so (laughs) well what's the debate of why it's shaped like that? Yes. Well, the mushroom shape. Why do you th- you think it's shaped like that? It creates suction to the, you know, get the sperm where it needs to be. In case you're not that big and it needs to go way up in there, and it creates like a like a like a suction. You know, why like an air would hose. a suction from your wang <laughs> make sperm go deeper well, when it's it, sucking? Pulling it out. It's because the opposite of that it builds pressure and it makes a seal. And then it's pressure. It's like it's kind of like a slingshot. Where? Who, who taught you this? <laughs> <laughs> no, my off. So, well, one of the ideas of why the human <laughs> penis is shaped the way it is is because on the back stroke, as a, opposed to the front stroke, uh-huh. you know, when you're pulling backwards, uh, the shape of the penis is actually able if there is a, a competing suitor's sperm. In the hoo-ha, the shape of the penis, the mushroom shape, will actually scrape. Not really scrape, because no that sounds way. bad. It will it will pull the sperm that is technically in that is still inside of the the hoo-ha. It will pull it out. So it's a it's a it's a mating competition ritual. So like most of the um, 
the shapes of penises of of mammals are designed for competitive mating. So like there are some species of rodents whose penises have backward facing barbs. <gasps> and what that will do is it will actually scrape the entire inside of the hoo-ha out and any remaining sperm from a previous donor, if it's in there, it'll all be scraped out. Because they don't want to mix the two together because that creates issues. I guess. Well, because so. you want your sperm to fertilize. You want to pass on your traits. You don't want the other guys. You don't want to share. You don't want to share a litter. You want your own litter. These pipes are clean. Yeah. yeah. So, like, cats, cats have barbed penises, which is why... When cats are mating, they're screaming. Like, you guys hear it all the time. You you get them feral cats out there screaming all over the place. They're doing it. And it's a barbed penis. You know, that makes sense. Because you think about man, woman. We've been around like 20,000 years-ish. Maybe. Plus or minus. And then marriage has been around maybe a 1,000, if that. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Catholic Church. But that leaves a So most of the time, there has not been monogamy. No. In the human race. No. Humans are not really meant... They were not designed to be monogamous people or monogamous species. I think it helps us, though, Um, in certain ways. Maybe socially. I can go through a list of species of why their penises do certain things during copulation. And as far as, like, you know, uh, competitive mating is concerned, like, you know, dogs get stuck together. You know why dogs get stuck together, Clay? No. Because another dog can't come in and, and make boom boom with the lady dog if she's stuck to another dog. That's, that's gross. How Maybe. does that happen? Uh, basically, the, the penis just becomes so engorged with blood that you can't get it out. Maybe, Bob, we just need to have a whole penis episode when we have Chris on. I think we should. Just straight penises. What's funny is like, okay, so like... <laughs> oh, you number two. You're going <laughs> <you gonna, laughs> to laugh, but part of my research when I was uh, in graduate school for biology was looking and comparing like penises of different rodents. Like I have the... I think I still have the books that have pictures of penises. Like these things look scary, dude. It looks like something out of an alien movie. So when like kids have butterfly connections, did you have like a dried out penis collection? <laughs> no, this is not when I was a child. Oh, uh, I don't know I mean, if that's like your school project. No, no, like graduate school. Graduate school. Right. Yeah. Master's degree, not kindergarten. But did you play with real penises? Just my own. No, Nobody I mean, like for study. Like, not people. In graduate but, school or yeah. when I was a kid? No, no, in graduate school. Yeah, of course you play with penises in graduate school. That's, you know, not human penises, Clay. Get your mind out of the gutter. But like, what would be real funny? Because like, part of the things that we would do is we'd go and do uh, like faunal surveys and like, collect specimens like what is a funnel funnel like fauna like animals you okay. go go into an area and collect do like an animal collection and then you would like basically stuff the animals you're doing taxidermy so you, you would take this like vole which is like a small rodent and like pull out all the skeletons and guts and everything and like stuff the hide and you just have like a little stuffed rodent well what i would do just to be kind of like a, a sicko is i would Leave the penis on the little stuffed rodent, and I would put a piece of wire in the penis to make it erect. So, like, whenever someone would pick up, pick up the rodent, and look at it, had a, it basically would have a boner, <laughs> and it would, I got a kick out of it. Some people did not. Well, the other students are probably after like head shape and other things, and you're the penis guy. Yeah, I would also like like whenever I had male rodents that I had to stuff, I would like stuff their scrotum so they looked like they had huge balls and a boner. <laughs> 
So you stuffed. Wow. So do you know taxidermy? Yeah. Like not, not like large scale. I couldn't do like a deer, but like a small animal, I could do it. How do they do that? Is it you strip the you? You basically like you skin it and you remove the entire hide all intact. Like you start off with you know, just a small incision on this on the abdomen, and then you basically pull the entire hide off the animal, uh, including the ears. So you got to like snip the ears right, uh, right on top of the skull. So when you skin it, the ears come off with the animal, and then uh, you basically just stuff it full of cotton. Really? Yeah. Take a piece of like wire, put the wire through the tail. So you pull the, all the bones out of the tail and you put the wire in the tail so the, the tail stays straight. And then you can do the same thing with the penis. Put so when you stuff it, I thought you had to put more form to it, but I guess the, the skin holds the form. Yeah, not, not with like a rodent. With a rodent, you don't because it's so small. Uh, like it's, uh, you know, a rodent is cigar shaped anyway. But like a deer, you would have to like foam form. Yeah, you got to do a foam form. Hmm. That could be a booming business there. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, God. I don't. I don't really want to do large scale taxidermy. That's not. It's not my thing. Like the rodents and stuff. That was kind of fun, especially like doing bats. Bats is fun because you can like make the bats do funny stuff. Like you know, you got a bat and you got one wing doing this and the other one doing that. Like it's you know, it can be kind of fun. But yeah, you know, my dad because uh, my dad's family business was a mortuary. And so he was going to go to mortuary school and be a mortician. This explains a lot. And growing up, though, working in the mortician room, he said those guys were very weird, especially back in the 50s when they're smelling all the stuff that I had, whatever they put in there, the chemicals. And uh, he got pretty close. I mean, he's, he makes a lot of weird jokes about like gutting people and just nastiness on the floor. But he turned 18 and it was either, you know, you're going to stuff people for the rest of your life or you're just going to run away. So he just ran away because he was getting tired of being called Dick and he didn't want to be a mortician. <laughs> Dick the mortician. So every time I go back to Las Vegas with him, New Mexico, all of his relatives go, hey, little Dicky, little Dicky, little Dicky. I and bet you just, get a kick out of that. Oh, it's a, it's a highlight of my life. Because it's just, it, it pisses, it pisses <laughs> him off. so mad. <laughs> so I still, yeah, the most I've ever seen, I was like, hey, stop being a dick. Like, if you say that to my dad, yeah, that lights him up. Uh, so, you, you like making him angry, don't you? Yeah, I do. See, Clay, Mike has a lot of pent-up aggression with his father. My Clay, dad's a dick. I'm trying to get Clay to t- talk. <laughs> Uh, where was I going with this? What'd you think of the backstrap I made earlier? It wasn't bad. Wasn't bad? It wasn't bad. Was it the best I've had? Well, we got an honest review here. Wow. Um, to me, I thought it was delicious. You know, I I don't have quite the, the, the taste for wild game meat that Clay's probably had, but I, I thought it was really good. For wild, for wild game. I mean, you can't compare it to a steak, yeah. but for a deer backstrap, I thought it was fantastic. Didn't you say, Clay, that you'd only had backstrap one time before? Yes, that I've actually cooked myself. Oh, yes. uh, okay, but you've had other backstrap. Mm, not whitetail. Okay. I, well, I've had, but it was probably ground ground beef. <laughs> it wasn't. So it wasn't. So what type no. of, what are you comparing the taste to? Yes. Beef. Well, there you yeah, go. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah. I mean... You can't compare it to beef, yeah. I agree. <laughs> so, no, it's not like a beef tenderloin steak. But for deer, I thought it was delicious. I thought it was pretty damn good. I mean, you can't really go wrong with a little bit of backstrap with some bacon around it cooked in butter. 
And that and that butter is good too. Oh, I mean, you can't go. Oh, it's, well, it's Lando Lakes. Really? Yes. That's the good stuff. Pre removal of the Indian. I'm sorry. Pre removal of the Native American. What does that even mean? No, I don't, I don't you know. So you remember Lakes. the Land of Lakes butter, uh, like the company part. So of how the, old was that tub of butter? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It wasn't. It wasn't that old. So yeah, the Land of Lakes company, like the, I guess like the, the symbol, or whatever was a, was a, a Native American female holding a plate of butter in front of a lake. You know, during the during the uh, COVID fallout. And when everybody was racist, it was deemed racist to have the Land of Lakes lady. I think she was called the squaw, which is now a racist term. And so, you know, Land of Lakes, in order to appease the mob, removed the female Native American from from their label. Speaking of that, did you see on YouTube that uh, this last week at that school board meeting in Connecticut, that dude knocking out the superintendent? I did not. Please explain. It was fantastic because they were named the uh, Tomahawks. The this high school was the mascot, and during COVID, when they didn't allow anybody at the school board meetings, they changed the names away from the Tomahawks. Uh-huh. And so then they finally had a school board meeting with everybody showed up, and this dude got a rate, and he he was about clay size, you know, decent size. But then the uh, school board attendant. He was older, but he's a big guy, much bigger, like six six or so. He come down and got in this guy's face, and uh, the guy was screaming at him about the tomahawks, and the school board guy actually pushed him. Oh my! And the shorter, pissed off guy reached up and he just clocked him, laid him out right there on the floor. It is a fantastic clip if anybody hadn't seen it. Where is this? Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah, tomahawks. The Connecticut Tomahawks. Yeah. So would they rename it like the Fairies? I don't know. I just kept watching this guy get knocked out. I thought it was fantastic. What's funny is like they usually like will change the name to something that's just like completely ridiculous. That is just like you can just it has just like wokeness written all over. Like they'll go from like the like the chieftains to like the unicorns, and you're just like Jesus Christ, are you kidding me? Or like they'll go from the Tomahawks to like the the butter knives. Yeah. The, the butter <laughs> the butter churns. Like, oh my God. Well, even then, like the butter churns. It's just like you're marginalizing women who stayed home and churned butter all day. Who were those women? Slaves. You're a slaver. That's what you are. Like, oh my God. Well, this is all going crazy. These damn woke people are driving me nuts. Man, I don't really have any opinions on it. I don't know if I was an Indian if I get pissed about stuff. Maybe I would. I just, I love how there are the organizations that are like, no, screw you, man. Like, we're not changing our names. Like, the Chiefs. I love them. I am a Kansas City Chiefs fan. You know why? Because they were like, no, we're not changing the name. Sorry. Piss off. I love it. Atlanta Braves. They're like, no. We're not changing the name. Piss off. And like, you know, ever since, you know, remember when the Braves went to the World Series, like those four years in a row when like we were late in high 90s, school. Yeah, yeah, in the late 90s. And they were trying to get them to stop doing the tomahawk chop. And they're like, nah, screw you. We're going to keep doing it. I Like, I'm a fan of those organizations strictly because they're like, no, we're not buying into this shit. Eat a dick. We're going we're gonna to keep doing what we're doing. What about when we come to uh, a West Texas team? I think it was Tascosa. Tascosa Rebels. Oh, no. Not Rebels. And they'd roll up at the football games and be like Confederate flags everywhere. Okay, that might be a little bit much. What? I mean, if you're... You can, don't bring Confederate flags. You can be called the Rebels, but what, don't... What about like 
the Redskins and stuff. I mean, it, it all it's all your point of view on the thing. Yeah. You can say that about a lot of things. Well, you know, the Redskins, I don't, I don't care. Like, whatever. You know, yeah. Is that really, I mean, I'm not offended by it. And I'm like 132nd American Indian. That's pretty low. I know. But I'm kind of, it's kind of like making fun of the people who are like, I'm 132nd Native American. And as a Native American, I'm offended. I'm like, you're gay. I don't know. I don't know how to approach that one. I don't know either. But uh, I just like to argue. So I'm just trying to argue that. Nah, that's good. I mean, we're trying to get Clay to talk here. I'm waiting for him to chime in. Clay, what do you think? Redskins, rebel flags. Redskins, rebel flags. Penises. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you bring penis up with Clay, you get a giggle. Immediate. Let's see here. Uh, rebel flags. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the name rebel is. You know, that's not racist. But Confederate flag. I mean, if it offends a bunch of people, I mean, I don't care about the rebel flag or the Confederate flag. So get rid of it. I don't care. Did that answer your question? Was that the question? <laughs> or are we talking about Redskins? Fine, fine response, uh, Clay. Fine response. <laughs> Real podcaster, but uh, uh, no. I mean, the whole thing with like the Confederate flag. It's don't get me wrong. Like, okay, look, I'm Asian. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm Asian. My my mother is from China. Okay, I have Chinese tattoos on my body, and I know what they mean. And I have a re- I have a Confederate flag in my house. Do I hang it? No, I don't. I got it when I was in college. You know, a crazy redneck white trash girlfriend bought it for me when we went to the Lubbock County Fair. Okay, um, would I ever fly it outside of my house? No, I would not. Would I ever fly it in my house? Mm, probably not. No. But it's just like here's what Bridget says. I'm just going to quote Bridget because she says it the best. It is literally a symbol. Of being a traitor. I'm like, wow. I'm like, okay. Okay. She's like, those people were traitors. They seceded from the union so they could keep slaves. There was no, there was no if, ands, or buts. There was no like states' rights and that bullshit. It was literally to keep slaves. It was over slavery. That's it. And I'm like, okay. You know, she obviously doesn't know what the hell she's talking about because she's from New York. But she's 100% right. Same thing with like, so one thing. I they, wouldn't say 100% right. Uh, it's all your point of view. Uh, well, what would you like to tell me it, it was over? Uh, I would like to say the states. I'm not saying slavery was a big part of it. Yes. But <laughs> states rights. States rights what? It was to defending yourself from being invaded in, from your states. Being invaded by who? By the northern aggressioners. Mm, no. When you're all one, how are you going to be invaded when you're all one country? Because an army comes down and trying to kill you. Because okay. you're two countries. So you know who fired the first shot in the Civil War, right? Yeah, we had to kick them out. <laughs> okay. So the war of northern aggression is a misnomer since the southern states were actually the first aggressors. Well, you've got to admit. Do I? The whole slavery deal... Really wasn't till like halfway through no. where Abe Lincoln made it a big deal because most of the Northerners didn't want anything to do with freeing the slaves during the war itself. 
uh, this is this, we should. This is going to be our next our next podcast topic. We're, we're gonna you talk, got me reading all these go, Civil War books. So. We're going to go back and forth about this one. But here's another funny thing: something they didn't teach us in seventh grade Texas history class uh, at East Junior High. I went to East. Did you go to West? Yes, you went to West. Okay. Anyhow, uh, the Texas Revolution was technically, if you want to get crazy. Of the Mexicans enslaving the, the Texans? No. No. <laughs> I don't know enough to argue that so, one. So, funny thing. So, when uh, the when Mexico opened up Texas to settlement, you know, they, they wanted to bring in Americans as basically like a safety net against the Comanches. Right. Because the Comanches were basically like just running crazy, going through like just Those murdering murders. and looting and being like, you know. We don't care that you claim this land for Mexico. Uh, this is ours. And if we see you, we're going to kill you. So what did Mexico do? Mexico's like, well, guess what, Mr. Stephen F. Austin? Uh, we want you to bring some white people down here and go ahead and have them settle right around this little area over here, which we now call Austin. Okay. Uh, and what's funny is, like, at the time, Stephen F. Austin was a Mexican citizen. So they got him to bring down some white folks. To be like a barrier between Mexico and the Comanches. Well, when these white people came, guess what they wanted to bring? Slaves. Guess what was not legal in Mexico? Slavery. So when they brought their slaves, the Mexican government was like, hey, uh-uh, no. You, you're not allowed to keep slaves in Mexico. There's no slavery in Mexico. Which at that point, the people, the settlers who had come in with slaves were like, uh... This is my American freedom to have a slave, okay? And ain't no Mexican going to tell me what I can or cannot do with my slaves. And the Mexican gunner's like, hey, there is no slavery in Mexico. You are in Mexico. And so, Texas Revolution. Remember the Alamo. They definitely did not teach me that lesson in seventh grade. No, they did not. They did not. But it's in quite a few uh, history books that I've read. So there's a history. Uh, uh, oh, what is the name of that guy? The author. He wrote Empire of the Summer Moon. And I've got it. That It's called Lone Star. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, a history, it's a history of Texas. And the name of the book is Lone Star. I can't remember. I cannot remember the name of the author. Oh, you know that God. Empire of the Summer Moon? I started reading that, and it was so brutal when they were talking about what the Comanches were doing. And oh, yeah. Just the raping and the pillaging. and the, Oh, my God. Yeah. It was and horrible. What's the, the craziest thing about the Comanches is that, like, I think they said at the Empire of the Summer Moon, like, that any one time there was never more than, like, what, five or 10,000 Comanches, and they just ran wild through the Great Plains just doing what they do. Like, they took out Navajos, Apaches, whatever. They didn't care. Like, they're like, this is our land. If you're here, we're going to war. They were the original horse people, Clay. Really? Yes, they were. Well, I wouldn't say they're the original horse people. Wasn't that the Spanish? And well, I'm talking about like, you know, when the Spaniards like left horses out and then the Comanches were, were not horse people yet, you know, in like the 15, 1600s. You know, the Comanches were the ones who like got a hold of the Spanish horses and then started doing like selective breeding of the horses and then became the horse people of the great plains and then you know obviously the horse then spread out through the rest of the tribes didn't there used to be like 10 million wild horses in the united states something like that yeah there was a there an extinct 
species of, of North American horse. Hmm. And it went extinct. And then the Spaniards reintroduced horses. There is also a North American species of lions, North American species of tiger, tiger, saber tooth tiger, yeah, uh, mammoth. So there's mammoths, and then there were mastodons. And they had giant bears too. Yeah, short face, short face bears. Yeah, dire wolves. Dire wolves. Yeah, dire wolves. So those are like they find uh, fossils of dire wolves in uh, the La Brea tar pits all the time. Well, Bob, we have covered about 17 different topics, and uh, I think it's time we put a bow on this one. Already? I mean, Clay has been a, a, a unique conversationalist in this episode, and, and you know, Clay, we just want to thank you for joining us, and uh, we're going to go hunting tomorrow morning. Now, what are you looking at getting tomorrow, Clay? Because we really... You Hopefully know, no more of those nasty-tasting deer. Yeah, those terrible-tasting <laughs> deer. I've had better. I've had better beef than that deer. You know, Clay, there are some cows out there. Maybe just shoot one of those. Please don't. <laughs> Is Norman? If he, Norman was still around, I'd no. take him out. <laughs> so let me tell you. I know you want to put a bow on this, but last time Clay came out here, we were going dove hunting, and uh, we had this big ass Jersey steer out here. Norman, do you remember him? Oh yeah, big white. Well, Norman really wanted to get to know Clay's truck, and um, let's just say that Norman apparently made friends with clay's truck and did not like the way clay's truck smelled so then norman proceeded to put his horns all over clay's truck like we roll we walked up and this damn jersey steer has one of clay's side view mirrors hanging (laughs) hanging off of its horn like he just went and just took it like ran it like there was holes in his door is it the same truck yeah (laughs) same truck two that over two thousand dollars worth of damage in like 30 minutes. So was that an insurance claim? Mm-hmm, yeah. So they, did you have to pay for that? Being your Surprisingly, I only had to pay like 100 or $200 for the um, deductible. What did the insurance guy say to you? Like, I told them what happened. They're like, well, that's I forget what they called it, but uh, it's like storm damage. So they paid for it. <laughs> like a random act of God? Yeah. A random act of nature? Yeah. I mean, well, he's like, hey, man, like, you know, I'm not going to, no shit. This cow did this to my truck. <laughs> yeah, that's what I told them. They, you know, I didn't get investigated or anything. So, like, I mean, what are they gonna like? I feel like you. They looked at the truck and they're like, "Yep, that looks like a cow definitely did that." Yeah, it looked like hail damage on one side of my vehicle. Well, usually they would go after the. My my understanding is that at least if the cows were loose, they'd go after the owner of the cow. Well, the cow wasn't loose. It was yeah, true. Like in the past, weren't his horns kind of blunt? So he just like kind of banging them on the. I think they were pretty sharp. You had some. You had some. Uh, but they were curved in. Mm. So like on the side view mirror, he had like hooked the horn in the side view mirror and just like ripped it off. <laughs> no, that sucks. I mean, he, he got intimate with your truck. He was a nice cow, though. We turned him into ground beef. And it didn't take long. It was literally like 30 minutes. Did he yeah. taste good? I mean, did you grind all of them? I didn't eat them. Somebody else did. You couldn't like, eat them? Somebody. Like, no. Well, no. I, I, we sold them to like the feed lot. And they're like, well... I mean, he's a big old Jersey steer. Can't do a lot with him other than just make him in a ground beef. I'm like, I don't care what you do. Like, he's done it. He's done too much damage to, like, people's vehicles. So, like, he, like, the my neighbor, Dylan, like, Dylan came out with a bobcat to, like, clear out some, some pasture land. And he, like, left the bobcat in the pasture. And Norman went over there and had his way with the bobcat. 
Oh, wow. And like did some damage to his bobcat. And Dylan's like, hey, man, um, can I take this cow to the sale barn? I'm like, yeah, you know what? Go ahead. You know, he's done enough damage. Well, that's what happens to old cows. Yeah. You know, he's more of a pet than he was anything else. He just liked to rub his horns on things. That's not good. So I just want one of those big big black cows down the road. They look tasty. Honestly, they look good. But anyhow, Clay, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, hopefully tomorrow's hunt will be will be fruitful. Is that the word that do we have fruitful hunts? Uh, fulfilling, fulfilling hunt. Um, no small bucks. If you shoot a buck, it better be a big boy. Okay, so we're culling, taking out does, big does only. Don't take a small doe. So we got to be very, very selective. If you shoot a spike, I'll kick you in the nuts. He'll be selective. I think each one of those rounds is probably what five bucks you're shooting. <laughs> those windy shells, pretty close. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, how much was that box of shells? Seventy dollars. Jesus. There's like fifty rounds in there though. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Some wild looks. He could probably sit from here and shoot a deer. I mean, reach out and touch him. Wow. All right. So, all right. Well, tune in for next week. We'll, we'll think of. I think we're gonna talk penises. So that should be good. <laughs> Right. Well, no, we weren't. We're not going to be back next week. We're going to take a few weeks off for Christmas and New Year's, so we will be back after New Year's. Awesome. We'll have all sorts of family drama. We can talk. Oh about. God, yes, we will. All right. With that, we're out. See you Bye, next everybody. Time.